What's up, you guys? Welcome back to the Sauce Lab podcast. Been another week. This one was a super strange, strange, strange week in the NFL. A lot of big upsets. I'm actually calling this week in the NFL the week of parity and equivalence. The week where the good teams didn't come to play. The teams that had just came off bad losses did come to play. And a lot of weird, weird shit went down. I think that the MVP odds changed a lot. I think that there were some really absurd upset wins that nobody saw coming. One in particular that I know that you guys are thinking of as I'm talking about it. But I think we're just going to hop right into the week one roundups. And then I have a pretty cool short story to do afterwards. So I'm going to start it off pretty easy like I do with the past week rundown. Best game of the week, I have to give it to Ravens Vikings. Ravens and Lamar Jackson come back from an insane, They were, I think they were down 17 at one point. Uh, everybody was chalking it up to be a Vikings win by the halftime and the Ravens came all the way back and ended up winning by three on a Justin Tucker field goal at the end of the game. Insane game. I really do love Lamar Jackson so much and think that at this point in the season, and he's definitely the most valuable player. Not that he will win the MVP, but to his team, what he brings compared to what the roster gives him, what is happening around him with all the injuries surrounding the Baltimore Ravens. I think that Lamar Jackson has overcame the most. He's done the best in his situation. Given everything that's going on around him, I think that he is probably the most valuable player to his team in the NFL. The Vikings, as they do, go on and lose a heartbreaker like they have every single other week. And a lot of analysts are saying, oh, it's so close. That means that the Vikings are good. What I think it means is that they should friggin' fire Mike Zimmer and they should get some new pieces all around that team around that offensive line, around that defense, so that things like that, like the Lamar Jackson comeback, won't happen. They can run different plays and stay consistent on offense. It really seems like they just completely fizzled out in the second half. I think that should be Mike Zimmer out the door. It's another example of where I say that Kirk Cousins does the best with what he's given, but when he's given the ball and he's like, solidify this W, it's really hard for him, and he just has a very, very low ceiling in that he really can't elevate a team so much higher than what's given around him. The play calling is not good for the Minnesota Vikings. And like I said, the schedule just keeps getting tougher and tougher. And I assume the losses to just keep piling up and piling up. It's disappointing, but obviously I have said since the jump that I am not a firm believer in the Minnesota Vikings this year. And I'm going to stick to that. It looks the exact same as how I predicted it. Very close. They're definitely competitive, but they're losing the ones that they really should be winning. The Baltimore Ravens look very good, possibly the best team in the AFC, especially after this week. But we'll get into that a little bit later. Offensive player of the week. It's also going to be the fantasy player of the week. It was James Conner who stepped in. Chase Edmonds is out. Kyler Murray is out. DeAndre Hopkins is out. Cardinals are not favored against the 49ers. And what do they come out and do? They schlop the 49ers with Colt McCoy and James Conner. James Conner lit it up. 21 carries, which is absurd for James Conner, a guy that was put to the street after he was on the Steelers, who had such an amazing story at the beginning of his career. I really didn't think that he'd be anything except for for a complimentary back who just vultures touchdowns when they get close to the end zone. But in reality, he probably played the best game of his career. He continued to light it up on 
the box score, like I just said, 21 carries for 96 yards and two touchdowns, as well as five receptions for 77 yards and one touchdown. Three touchdown game on 173 scrimmage yards is just absurd, especially for a back on a team that isn't run-centric. I love what James Conner was able to do, and especially rolling into the playoffs if they have that big bruiser-type guy. Arizona's a hot place, so if they go to Buffalo and they need to play in the snow, or they go to, like, I mean, obviously, the only time that they play Buffalo was would be in the Super Bowl, and they're not in Buffalo, but if they need to play in these harsh climates where it gets down to the nitty-gritty, down to the rushes, I think that the duo of Kyler Murray, James Con- or the trio of James Conner, Kyler Murray, and Chase Edmonds is going to be a rushing attack that teams will not want to face. Uh, James Conner always has that touchdown upside. I think he actually leads the NFL in touchdowns at this point. Congrats to him. Very good on him. And now I'm going to get into the next one. Next one is Defensive Player of the Week. I've actually given it to two guys. I think that I could actually throw in a third. I'll throw that in. Uh, Number one is Josh Allen played an amazing game against Josh Allen. I know that's crazy. I think that it was the first time ever in history that a defensive player sacked and did, I'll get into it, they did that to a quarterback who has the exact same name. But Josh Allen on the Jaguars, the defensive end, edge rusher, lit it up. Eight tackles, a sack, fumble recovery, and an interception. Really was playing all around in all facets of the game. In total, the Jacksonville Jaguars defense held the Buffalo Bills to only six points. One of the most efficient offenses in a passing era against one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL. Let up only six points. Kudos to the Jaguars, but also what the fuck, Bills. Josh Allen had probably the worst game that I've seen in a very, very long time from him. He just did not look poised in the pocket, didn't throw for any touchdowns. He was very wobbly, and the Jacksonville Jaguars just looked like they were there to play. It was very slow, very boring. Did not love that game, but Josh Allen definitely came to play. Another guy who played last night on Sunday Night Football, Jeffrey Simmons, a defensive line guy, like edge, but more like a fat guy who's there in the trenches. Jeffrey friggin' Simmons, six tackles and three very instrumental sacks. Harold Landry also played a fantastic game, so did Kevin Byard, and really shut down another very efficient offense in the LA Rams. Matt Stafford had probably the worst game of the season so far, and I can really give a lot of kudos to Jeffrey Simmons, who really lit it up. He looked a lot like Aaron Donald, I've got to say. When I was watching Aaron Donald play, he was commanding those double teams the same way that Jeffrey Simmons was, and Jeffrey Simmons was just pushing off the pressure, continuously getting in Matthew Stafford's face, and really did not allow them to ever come back from those two picks that started the game. In the beginning of the game, Stafford actually looked really good. He was running, he was doing all this, but then as soon as they had that ball on the five, Stafford had that weird in the end zone, try to throw the ball away, ended up right into the Titans' hands, pick, they score off of it, next play, first play on the next drive, Matthew Stafford throws a pick six, and that 14-0 deficit was not enough that they could just easily come back. Obviously, because it was the Rams, I said that it was still in their grasp the entire time. But Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry on that defense really stepped the frick up. And then a third guy that I should just give kudos to, Xavier McKinney on the New York Giants against the LA Raiders, had two picks, one of them going back to the house. He's been really good, but just the Giants defense overall has been really, really good. Daniel Jones looks like a more poised passer. Even if he didn't have a great week this week, the defense is taking big strides, and they're looking similar to how they did last year in that their offense is okay, their defense is really coming on as an elite unit it once again and I'm loving what I'm seeing out of the New York Giants I'll get to the Giants a little bit later for sure but 
Fantasy player of the week, I already said, James Conner. Biggest injury of the week, it definitely had to go to the Cardinals as a whole. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Chase Edmonds all out. I'm not sure what their timetables are for return, but it really does seem that with what they have in place, their offensive line, their backup receivers, their backup running backs, even their backup quarterback in Colt McCoy, really seems like they are able to get it done. It's a very efficient system, like I've said. Their defense is definitely top five in the NFL as at this point. They have to be up in that conversation, even with J.J. Watt being out. Chandler Jones is still lighting up the numbers. He actually just set the record for most sacks in Arizona Cardinals history last night and paid homage to the dude who was before him. I'm blanking on his name right now, and I actually hadn't heard his name before, but he had passed away, and he showed respect to him, which I really love. Loving what the Cardinals have, loving what they're feeding off of at this point, especially after this week, it really seems like they are probably the best team in the NFL, if not the second behind the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but both of those teams look really, really good, and I'm hoping that Kyler Murray can come back as soon as possible. Obviously, the same with D-Hop, even though he hasn't been as effective and he's not the same DeAndre Hopkins that's pulling all the double teams and still getting 10 to 12 receptions a game, he now just more seems like one of the many pieces in a puzzle that's already 8-1. and I mean, like you can't really be mad at that if you're DeAndre Hopkins because they're 8-1. and one. They're clearly winning and they're clearly getting the ball around in the most efficient way. And then Chase Edmonds, even though his injury is definitely vital, I just said James Conner had probably the best game of his career as the backup. Eno Benjamin looked great as the backup to James Conner, which is so insane because I thought that the 49ers run defense would be really stout and solid this year. And they're looking like Swiss cheese as of right now. So I'm hoping that those guys can come back from injury as soon as possible, get the Cardinals back on track and ready for the playoffs. Team I'm starting to buy, like I said, the New York Giants, a team that I said the offense still definitely has its struggles, but the defense looks like it's coming right back onto that elite unit. Uh, the secondary especially, James Bradbury, Adoree Jackson, Xavier McKinney, Logan Ryan, those guys are really stepping up to the plate over the last couple weeks, and I think that if they sneak out a couple more wins and the Giants could quiet, very quietly not only be better than the Eagles and football team to be the second best team in their division, but maybe make the six or seven seed in the AFC. I know that it's very, very competitive, but it seems like they're probably better than the Chicago Bears, better than the Atlanta Falcons. I think that they'd give the Panthers a run for their money. They're in a very similar situation with the Panthers in uh, injury-prone running back who's star-studded when he's on the field, receivers who are very talented but their quarterback is having trouble getting the ball to them on a consistent basis, and a defense that hasn't really been that big shiny object but always gets it done. That is a description of both the Giants and the Panthers. So I think that any given day, they the Giants could be better, and if they have a better end of the season, then I could definitely see the Giants sneaking into that seventh spot. Team I'm starting to sell, the Cincinnati Bengals. I hate to do this, but coming off of that big loss to the OBJ-less Browns, they just did not look like the Browns of three weeks ago that were the number one team in the AFC. Though, I mean, I understand it's a young team, a very young offense, and a defense that's not made of many star-studded quote-unquote guys. But over the last two weeks, they beat the Ravens. After that week where they beat the Ravens, we were like, oh my god, this team is actually gonna make a run for the freaking Super Bowl. But then the next week, they lose to the New York Jets, putting up with Mike White putting up 400 yards. And then this week, they lose to the very depleted, weird, don't know what state we're at right now, Browns, and allowed them to score 42 points. Their star receiver, Jarvis Landry, didn't have that great of a game. It really seemed like David Njoku, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Baker Mayfield got even more efficient as a passer without OBJ, which I think is very funny. Nick Chubb had a fantastic game, and you know that that run system is still the 
number one priority there, but their defense that went from a top five, top eight ranked unit statistically going up until this point now probably dropped into the mid-teens, maybe even the high 20s just after giving up two enormous scoring games and they're just not looking good for the outlook for the rest of the season. They're, they went from five and two, clearly looking like giants to five and four, battling to even make a playoff spot. It looks like the Ravens are coming for them. It looks like the Steelers are coming from them and the Browns are coming for them. And if they don't have a great rest of the season, they could very, very easily finish last in their division, probably the second hardest division in football. Honestly, at this point, originally I had said that the hardest division in football would probably be the Seahawks division. But after the Seahawks have been not so great without Russell Wilson in and the 49ers are clearly not going to the expectations that they had earlier in the season I could definitely make a very good case that the Browns division is now the best division in football and it's going to be very hard for the Bengals to climb out of that while the Ravens are hot while the Steelers are hot and while the Browns are hot my random new hot take I've got Jonathan Taylor a guy who just lit up the New York Jets, Najee Harris, a consistent PPR guy who's a rookie this year, already gunning for the Rookie of the Year award now that Jamar Chase has had two bad weeks in a row, and Austin Eckler, a PPR master who I was so high on going into the season. I think that all three of those guys, Taylor, Najee, and Eckler, will be consensus taken for Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, and Derrick Henry in fantasy football next year. I know that those are the household names, but when you really think about it, well, maybe they're not consensus because I think that a lot of magazines or sports analysts will want to stick with a more conservative approach and go for the guy that they've already seen put up the crazy numbers rather than projecting it. But I think that the ceiling of these young guys, especially with how short the shelf life is for running backs in the NFL, John Taylor has speed unlike anybody else. Najee Harris provides the exact same receiving upside that Christian McCaffrey and Alvin Kamara does. Same with Austin Eckler. And I think that they're just all put in much better positions. They don't have the injury asterisks next to their name, which McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, and you could even argue Kamara now do. They're much older. They're probably on more inept offenses, in my opinion. I think that the Colts, the Steelers, and the Chargers, efficiency-wise, are just a more efficient offense than the Panthers, the Vikings, the Saints, or the Derrick henry list Titans. I guess that Derrick Henry in the Titans system is like that, but now that he's been in the league for so long, he's gotten so many carries and he's gone down with this injury, I think it's just going to be very hard for me to take Derrick Henry with a top three, top four pick going into next year, especially now that A.J. Brown continues to emerge as a star receiver. Ryan Tannehill, I think, is downgrading and going from a consensus top seven, top eight guy to now a top 14 top 15 type quarterback in the NFL. I'm just really confident that with the youth, with the speed, with the shelf life of running backs, that those three guys will go before the other four. Now, rather than giving you some headlines of the week, I wanted to just talk about this week and how weird it was and why I called it the week of parody and equivalence because there were so many weird games and weird outcomes. I'm going to start off with just listing all of the weird <laughs> games and weird outcomes. So, Bills lost to the Jags in a very close one. Saints lost to the Falcons on a game-winning field goal. The Raiders lost to the Giants. The Bengals lost to the Browns. The Cowboys lost to the Broncos. The Kyler Murray-less Cardinals beat the 49ers. And then whatever the hell that Packers and Chiefs game was... I'm just going to go through all of them. Bills just did not look like they had that same 
unreal offense and defense combination. Actually, it looked like both were did not come to play. They thought it was just an easy gimme game. And like I've said, they're so all the NFL teams are just so close. I'm just going to continue to reiterate that of trying to beat it into your guys' brains of how the marginal difference between the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. And it's so minuscule because these really are the best dudes in the entire world at what they do. So in a game like Bills and Jags, if the Bills don't come with full force like it's a playoff game like they do any week, then things like this will come out of it where the Bills lose. Saints ended up bringing it back very close, but Young Hui Koo just seems like the clutchest kicker in the NFL probably, behind Justin Tucker actually, but he is so, so good. Hit now I think his third game-winning field goal of the season to make the Falcons actually have a pretty scary record. Uh, scary in terms of what they were projected to be and where they rank amongst the other NFC teams. Not really in general because I don't think that they will make the playoffs just based on the roster and all the things that are around them. But the Saints lost a very big heartbreaker. The Raiders lost to the Giants, the Raiders who are coming off of amazing games. I know obviously this week was very weird with the Henry Ruggs situation. They actually just released Damon Arnett this morning. Definitely going through a lot of stuff in the Raiders organization, and I had assumed that their downfall would start, but losing to the Giants, that one should definitely be a win for the Raiders. The Bengals losing to the Browns, this is one that I was projecting the Bengals to win, but by very, very small amount, and they ended up getting blown out completely. The defense of the Browns really just came to play, and it really, like, I mean, this is why I called it equivalence, because it's making these bigger differences within the divisions so much smaller, and now almost every single division doesn't have a secured winner, especially in the Bengals and Browns division, it went from, like, it really seems like every single week there's a new best team in that division, and it could be all four of the teams. I think that in given time, it could honestly even be the Steelers very soon, even though the Steelers were clearly the worst to start the season. I think that in a matter of time, it could be the Steelers back at one, especially if the Bengals continue on the skid. Uh, the Kyler murray list Cardinals beat the 49ers. This one was technically an upset with all the injuries. People were not projecting the Cardinals to go out and win, but Colt McCoy really put the team on his back. I've already explained that, but insane game for that. And then the Packers and Chiefs game, I think both teams looked pretty abysmal. Jordan Love did not look like he is going to be that guy to take the Aaron Rodgers load once Aaron Rodgers leaves this offseason. I know that that's probably going to be the case regardless, but it just definitely did not show them signs of, oh, thank God we have this new generational young quarterback who can step in and get the wins. He clearly has a very long ways to go. And Patrick Mahomes in the Chiefs offense only put up 13 combined points against, I know that the Packers defense is solid, but they should easily be putting up over 25 points in a very secured win. And it was not secured whatsoever. It actually took Patrick Mahomes throwing the ball to Tyreek Hill on a very crucial third down for them to solidify the win. But overall, really disgusting game from both of them, and it really makes a lot of the teams that I thought were Super Bowl contenders or Super Bowl favorites back down into the, wow, they're clearly beatable, wow, something is clearly going wrong in their organization, and they really need to bounce back next week. I do also think that this is good now if you're trying to get locks of the week for next week and things like that. These teams that are losing this week, I would almost guarantee try to bounce back with even more vengeance next week. Not that I'm saying that every single team that just lost is going to automatically get a dub next week but like I said in equivalence in everybody's trying to solidify their spot once the season ends when you lose a game like this that you should be handedly winning it makes you have a drive to beat the teams that you should be losing to even more and that 
cycle continues. It's a forever going cycle where, say that the Jaguars beat the Bills, the Bills are coming out with more vengeance against whoever they play next week, and then that team that loses, if they are a playoff-likely team, will then come out with more vengeance the week after, and so on and so forth. So that just continues what I've been saying about how close the NFL is, and how everything ends up getting so close to each other at this point in the season. Uh, Just some other takeaways from these crazy wins. I think Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott, and Aaron Rodgers all lowered their MVP probability. Josh Allen, Stafford, and Dak because of their poor performances. And then Kyler Murray and Aaron Rodgers just because they didn't play. I think Aaron Rodgers the least out of all of them because Jordan Love really did not come to play. And that'll probably get the Packers back in the Aaron Rodgers sweepstakes. Regardless of whether he wants to go back there, I think that they probably, after seeing that game, will still try to at least get Rodgers to lose listen to why to come back to the Packers and why to continue to lead them, which is so funny because then they would already bust their first round pick from last year. But regardless, I think that Rodgers obviously didn't go up. Kyler, in his absence, they won, which makes him seem like, wow, is he really doing so much to will this Cardinals team? Or is the Cardinals team just very, very talented around him and he's benefiting off of it? I obviously don't think that's the case, but this win from Colt McCoy definitely doesn't help his case. And then Josh Allen, Matthew Stafford, and Dak Prescott, like I said, just had really bad games, a lot of picks for all three of them, and did not look good in doing so. So I think that at this current point in time, Tom Brady is probably the leader for the MVP. He's probably the front runner, and I assume he'll probably win it. I think that Lamar Jackson, like I had said earlier, is probably still the most valuable player in the league, but it's going to be very hard for him to win it with his passing numbers not being up to par of Matthew Stafford, up to Dak Prescott, up to Josh Allen, up to Tom Brady, guys like that. I think that they will ultimately have probably more passing yards and passing touchdowns, but Lamar will clearly do more on the floor. I'm still really hoping for Lamar to win that MVP. I think that the odds are plus 1100 and I really love those seeing how the other quarterbacks did this week. But yeah, there was an unreal amount of fantasy duds. Josh Allen, Tyreek Hill, Joe Burrow, Aaron Jones, Jamar Chase, CeeDee Lamb, Daryl Henderson, Adam Thielen, DJ Moore, Amari Cooper, Mike Williams, Jarvis Landry, and Jacoby Myers all shat the bed this week. They all did not play well, and I'm sorry if you had any of them starting on any of your fantasy teams. They really did not come to play this week, and again, this is just the season where something like that's going to happen. There's never really going to be a team that's hammered in as they're going to do well every single year. There's no Patriots. There's no last year's Chiefs, and it really seems like an any given week type situation, and with that comes really bad performances from really good guys. So I think that they will definitely bounce back in due time, but those guys definitely did not come to play this week. I think that another thing that we learned from this week is that the NFC is clearly far, far superior to the AFC. I think that the Cardinals... The Buccaneers, the Rams, I'd say the Cowboys, and still the Packers are probably better than, I I could argue, every team in the AFC. I know that might be crazy to put the Bills behind all those guys, but the Bills only putting up six against the Jacksonville Jaguars, which which was arguably the worst team in the NFL last week, and the Bills were arguably the best. I just really do think that the NFC just continues to solidify themselves as the much better conference in football, and... That is all I have for this past week. Now I'm going to quickly give you guys my predictions for next week. My player to start this week, I think it's Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like I said, they'll come back down to earth. Jacksonville coming off of that amazing win. They still do not have the defense that I... That... (laughs) 
they look like this past week they really do have a bottom five, bottom seven group in the NFL. And with Carson Wentz looking like he's on a tear, beating the Jets this past week, Michael Pittman now entering the top five fantasy wide receivers conversation. It is in, or top 10, I'd say, top 10. I know that after the Thursday night game, he was top five, but then the other players came to play and he got bumped back down to top 10. But I think Carson Wentz and Michael Pittman against the Jaguars, big starts. Player to sit this week, Jalen Hurts against the Denver Broncos. Broncos defense, even without Von Miller, has really been showing that they're still that elite unit and I don't want to start Jalen Hurts. A group that will shine is, I think, Ezekiel Elliott versus the Atlanta Falcons. That one is definitely going to be great for him because the Falcons run defense is really not good. Falcons just had that win. And like I said, they'll come back down to earth. Cowboys just had an L. So I think that the Cowboys definitely take it over the Falcons and then a group that will disappoint. I think the entire football team offense and defense against the Buccaneers is going to be really hard with the Bucs coming off an L and then a bye week. Brady has time to recuperate, has time to game plan, and I think that the Bucs are going to come out and demolish the football team. So I've actually got a lot of locks this week. Last week, two of them that were very close, like that didn't have an unreal spread in favor of one team were the ones that I got right. And the one that I got wrong was surprisingly one that was minus 800, minus 900. So obviously if you parlayed them, that'd be wrong. But I did go two and one. Very proud of myself on the two wins that I did predict. I'm 22 and five at this point, And I've got a ton of locks this week. I've got Bucks over football team, Bills over Jets, Rams over 49ers, Cowboys over Falcons, and in a upset of the week, I think the Saints over the Titans is one that could definitely happen as well. Okay, so now for the second portion of the podcast, I just threw a little fun thing together. I just, this isn't anything that's too crucial to the NFL right now, just something funny in the NFL that I was like, this would be a very fun episode. NFL team-ups that are realistic, that would be OP, that would be great, that if these two players or entities or anything like that combined, it would be very hard to stop in the NFL. And I'm just, I got 12 for you guys. I'm going to give you guys quick reasons and just want to hear your guys' thoughts on them. Or if you guys have any others that you think that if they had paired up, it would be lethal. Number one, I've got Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills with Hollywood Brown. Josh Allen with his cannon of an arm. It really does seem like every single cannon of an arm team has that one speedster guy that can go long and get these unreal 50 to 60 to 70 yard bombs every single game. With the Chiefs, it's Tyree Killer McCole Hardman. With the Ravens, it's obviously Hollywood Brown. With the Buccaneers, it's Scotty Miller. With the Rams, it was Deshaun Jackson, and now it seems like it's Van Jefferson. They all have that piece that's just there to do a fly and if the ball is in if the defense gives it to them they have that long ball if they want to connect in my opinion the bills don't really have that Stephon Diggs is more of a route runner himself Cole Beasley's lining up in the slot and Emmanuel Sanders runs pretty normal intermediate routes I guess that he would probably be the deep threat as of right now yet Hollywood Brown with the speed that he provides if something were to happen where the Bills were to get their hands on Hollywood Brown, I think that that would destroy the league with Stephon Diggs on the inside, Dawson Knox in the close, and always having the threat of Hollywood Brown 60 yards deep would be dangerous. Number two, Antonio Gibson with the Patriots O-line and Mac Jones. It really seems like the Patriots always love to throw to their running backs. And now that James White is out for the year, they really don't have that receiving upside running back. Antonio Gibson, who's been having a very underwhelming season, 
underperforming to what his expectations could have been on the Washington football team that really aren't utilizing him in the past game enough. I think that if he had that Patriots O-line and the Mac Jones, who loves to check it down to the running backs, Antonio Gibson would be exactly where he was projected to be, if not even higher. And I think that, that combination would go crazy. Uh, next, I have the I have Chris Lindstrom, the guard for the Atlanta Falcons. If he was in the 49ers run scheme, I think that that would be overpowered. Currently, their guards are Lakin Tomlinson and Aaron Banks. Aaron Banks actually a rookie. And what the Niners love to do is have pulling guards and a lot of movement pre-snap from the offensive line. Or not pre-snap from the offensive line, but during the run, they have the guards pulling or the guards going to the outside in an attempt to block a running back screen or things like that. And Chris Lindstrom is probably the fastest offensive guard in the NFL. Not that he's a speedster or anything, but I think that he's really good at getting to the second level at going around and making blocks on the other side and pancaking guys. And I think that that would be so beneficial to Elijah Mitchell, Trey Sermon, uh, Raheem Mostert when he comes back, obviously. I mean, obviously the 49ers run scheme is amazing as is, but if they had a really talented fast-moving guard like Chris Lindstrom in place of either Lakin Tomlinson or Aaron Banks. He could probably slide to either side. Probably it would be Lakin Tomlinson at right guard, Chris Lindstrom at left guard, I would have to assume. But I think that that fit would work very, very well. Next, I have Jamal Adams with the Broncos secondary. I think that that would be so, so great. They already have a very decent front seven and an elite secondary. Really what it seems like their biggest weakness on the defense is, is their secondary safety spot next to Justin Simmons. Kareem Jackson is not having a good year whatsoever. He's going to be out the door very soon. And if they could have a guy like that who doesn't have many responsibilities in coverage because they have Justin Simmons, Patrick Sertan, Ojemudia, Fuller, uh, all Bryce Callahan, all the guys that are on the Broncos secondary, if they had those guys to really take care of the coverage duties that Jamal Adams would have or he currently does have on the Seattle Seahawks, he could really fill the box, he could blitz like he wants to, and he would benefit so much off of the great pass rush of Bradley Chubb and the amazing lockdownness of their secondary. I think that that fit would work very, very well. I know that their system really doesn't have that hard-hitting safety who's a flyer all around the field, but if Jamal Adams was put in that situation, he could play some hybrid linebacker. He could be an edge rusher, I could say. I could see. He could play in the back. He could do whatever. And just a versatile piece like that, who's so hard-hitting and strong and comes with that versatility on the defense. They really don't have a quote-unquote face of their defense. They actually traded away their face of their defense in Von Miller. So by next year, if they're really still trying to make a run and they re-sign a lot of the guys, I think that Jamal Adams and the Broncos secondary would be dangerous. Next, I have George Kittle with the Minnesota Vikings. I love this one so much. I think that not only would it be adding such a versatile weapon just for the entire season, but they already have such an amazing supporting cast in Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook that it opens up the tight end, especially in the red zone, so, so much. George Kittle is one of the best go-up-and-get-it uh, tight ends in the league, and I think that running the play action out of Dalvin Cook r fake runs that opens up the passing game already it's one of the big reasons why Irv Smith was so productive last year and in the time that he played this year. It's one of the reasons why Kyle Rudolph had hauled in so, so, so many touchdowns during his tenure with the Minnesota Vikings. And I think if George Kittle were to come in and take that spot, not only would he probably be top five in the NFL in touchdowns, but he would get an extensive amount of yards and stuff through Kirk Cousins and the offensive efficiency that they would gain from having an elite tight end like that as well. 
and talking about Kirk Cousins, number six, I've got Kirk Cousins with Bill Belichick on the Patriots. I mean, obviously, it doesn't need to be quote-unquote on the Patriots, but Bill Belichick is so smart in what he draws up that he really doesn't need much improvisation from his quarterback to get the job done. He needs them to be able to be calculated, know when to make the correct throws, and that's really all, and it seems like Kirk Cousins is probably top five in the NFL at doing that. When the opportunity is given to him, he can step to the occasion, and when the Patriots have such an amazing offensive line, they have an amazing defense, and Kirk Cousins has given him everything in place right in front of him, all you need to do is just make the short throws, check down, things like that. I think that Kirk Cousins would excel in that role and do very, very well. Number seven, this one's weird because they kind of already have a guy with his job, but if they had two, it would be dangerous, and it's Debo Samuel in the Rams' offense. Cooper Cup is already doing things similar to what Debo Samuel is doing, but if they were to have two type of guys that could both run in the slot on short and intermediate routes, on pre-snap motion, on wide receiver blocking for another wide receiver, on a screen pass, type plays, which the Rams run up so often, and Debo Samuel is so successful in, if Debo Samuel were to take over the Robert Woods role, and they could have Tyler Higby obviously as the tight end, but have Cup and Debo be the main beneficiaries of the passing offense. Both of them just doing short in digs, then one of them continues the dig and the other one turns up field and looks for the pass. I think that that would just be so dangerous. It would give Matt Stafford so many more weird ideas and weird safety valves that he could end up going long. And if he doesn't have that, then he could look for Debo short or something like that. I know that Debo's obviously improved his route tree too. Last year, he was more of just a slot, couple routes on the route tree type guy, and now he's the main beneficiary of the 49ers offense. But regardless, I think that if Debo was in that Rams offense, already a top three most efficient offense in the NFL, it would only make him that much better and the Rams offense that much better altogether. Number eight. I've got Demario Davis with the Falcons linebackers. They've already got Deion Jones and Foyasad Oluokan, two incredibly fast guys at the linebacker position. Both can play the pass game very well and are very good at making the tackle and getting up into the box. And I think Demario Davis fits that bill exactly. And if they could somehow get their hands on him, to have those three guys would really just make the entire middle of the field off limits, in my opinion. It really solidifies an entire section, and if they can upgrade their offensive line around it, I think that Demario Davis would complement uh, Deion Jones especially really, really well and allow him to be that field general type guy. Or actually, no, probably Davis would be the field general type guy and then have the other guys there to assist with tackles or assist with pass coverage. I think that that one would be really, really good. Number nine, this one is freaky. This one I see in my dreams, or in my nightmares, actually, I should say. Brian Burns and Montez Sweat, two of the fastest, most athletic, most agile, get-around-bend type edge rushers in the NFL. If they were to somehow team up, I do not know how you go about defending that, especially if you have a very strong interior. Those two guys on the exterior can get around almost any left tackle or right tackle with so much ease. I don't know if they would play in a 3-4 or a 4-3 with both of them running as the outside linebackers or the DNs, but regardless, I think that they would send so much pressure with their athleticism and speed that they have the ability to get to the quarterback. Already two of the best edge rushers in the league, and if they were to team up, it would just be a scary sight. 
Number 10, I've got Aaron Rodgers with Jerry Judy. Aaron Rodgers already has his route running type guy in Devontae Adams, but Jerry Judy has one of the best route trees in the NFL. He's so quick at making his cuts, and I think that Aaron Rodgers really allow him to thrive and shine to the highest extent. I think that that one's actually very possible depending on what Aaron Rodgers does this offseason. The Broncos are definitely on his list at some point, and I think that if Aaron Rodgers were to somehow team up with Jerry Judy, regardless of whether it's on the Packers or the Broncos or somewhere else, I think that that pair would allow Devont or Jerry Judy to have a season very similar to Devontae Adams and have a career path just very similar to Devontae Adams as well, because Rodgers really knows how to fit it into those tight holes within the zone and shred defenses. That's just what he does. Uh, number 11, Darius Leonard on the Ravens defense. This one I really love. I think that they are such a good, solid run team. They've been eh in the past game, but with the Ravens' mentality that their defense rides behind and they always are there for each other and picking each other up, if you were to be alongside Patrick Queen, LJ Fort, uh, Calais Campbell, all those guys on that front seven, I think that he would not only do great in pass coverage, but he would really step up in the run game as well, probably solidifying them into a top three run defensive team in the NFL. It really steps up their defense as a whole, gives them another whole talent and a chess piece that they can move around and use. I really would love Darius Leonard to go to the Ravens defense. I think that he would fit perfectly. And then last but not least, I've got Mad Max Crosby, the crazy guy on the Raiders. I think he should go to the Lions defensive line with Dan Campbell. Mr. Bite Your Knees Off. He's so big into getting down into the trenches, getting down and dirty with the best of them, and really just gritting your teeth and showing we are the more strong unit, we are the better unit. And I think that Max Crosby is the perfect example of that. They obviously have young guys in Levi Onzerike. They have... Aline McNeil, they have the Oquara brothers, Trey Flowers, and a lot of guys that are already very talented in the front seven, but if they were to have an elite edge talent like Max Crosby fit into that system, it would not only benefit the Oquara guy, the Oquara brothers, and Trey Flowers, and Aline McNeil so, so much, but it would also allow Max Crosby to really embrace this I'm a ferocious beast type guy. He'd be similar in my eyes to TJ Watt in that he just takes it down with so much brute force and could scream into the camera and say, I'm going to bite your kneecaps off just like Dan Campbell taught me. I just think that that would be a very hilarious and very efficient pairing if it were to happen in the NFL. So those are my list of the 12 team-ups that would happen. Obviously, you could have gone so easy and been like, oh, Tom Brady and DeAndre Hopkins or Patrick Mahomes and Stephon Diggs. And those are obviously going to be very solid duos. But these, just based on what they provide in their play style, what they have in place already, what they need, what the team is one piece away from, I really love all of these ideas so, so much on weird team-ups and that is really all I have for today's episode. I hope that you guys liked it. I hope that you guys gave it a listen like you do every single week. Um, and that is really all I've got. I hope that you guys have a good week. I hope that you guys listen next week. Follow us on Instagram, TikTok, Spotify. Continue to give us those plays. I love you so much. Have a great week. Peace.